What's up, revelers and widows? Welcome to another Bobby Dazzler of an episode of Scaring Sam. I'm your host, James, and this week we are... We're talking about Morbius. Great. First off, backstory! In 1971, the updating of the comic book industry's self-censorship board, the Comics Code Authority, lifted the ban on horror comics, and by October, Morbius the Living Vampire was introduced in the pages of The Amazing Spider-Man issue 101. Created by writer Roy Thomas and artist Gil Kane, the Michael Morbius depicted in the movie is quite faithful to his comic book counterpart. He was a former award-winning biochemist who was tragically transformed into a vampire after a failed experiment that was intended to cure him of his rare blood disease. This kind of thing only seems to happen in comics. Far more faithful than his appearance in 1994's Spider-Man the Animated Series, where Morbius drained his victims of blood with these leech-like mouths in the palm of his hands. After all, you can't have someone sucking on people's necks in a daytime kids cartoon. I have a soft spot for this version of Morbius, as this was how I was introduced to the character. And to be honest, the thought of leech hands is so bonkers, it's creepier than your typical vampire modus operandi. But I digress. Let's talk about Morbius the movie. When it was announced the film adaptation was in the works with Jerry Leto attached, I was optimistic there was potential there for a decent movie. But my hopes were quickly dashed when I realised Sony was involved. There was potential here for a good horror. Horror that led to a solid superhero origin story. A story that satisfied two target audiences that Blade satisfied over two decades ago. Morbius isn't Blade. Blade had the luxury to take risks. It could fully embrace the horror that an 18 certificate can grant you. Nobody makes 18 rated movies anymore, especially a studio desperately trying to make money off the back of a franchise made up of unknown Spider-Man villains. So Morbius fails at horror, except for one notable exception. Two, if I'm feeling generous, there's a scene down a hospital corridor, at night. A lone doctor is doing the rounds. Assuming the hospital is trying to be cost effective, the overhead lights only come on when someone walks past. You can see where this is going. The doctor assumes they're alone. Only someone or something is triggering the lights further down the corridor. Whatever it is, is approaching closer and closer at speed until the Doctor is running for her life. The Hunter on the hunt. The audience is meant to believe this is Morbius, losing control, succumbing to his primal urges. Unless you watch too many movies. This leads to Matt Smith's Lucian, who everyone calls Milo for reasons that aren't wholly explained. Ever. Milo is Morbius's equal. He represents that lazy trope in superhero origin stories where the good guy has to vanquish his mirror opposite. Ironmonger, Killmonger, The Red Skull, and on and on and on we go. 
Milo's villain reveal is a blatant rip-off of The Usual Suspects, and it's... fine. It's better handled than Morbius's first monster transformation, which is parts underwhelming and messy in both horror and action, but regardless of this, it's just... fine. It's fine. Later Milo does a boo-boo and gets caught on CCTV, and... The screen grab the FBI pull up reminds me of one of those fake trail cam pics of some cryptid. I'm sure you've seen them on Reddit or YouTube. The CGI on Milo's face looks as unrealistic as those pics, but the frozen grimace is ghoulishly creepy nevertheless. Matt Smith knows the quality of the movie he is in, and quite rightly relishes in hamming up his performance as if he prepared for the role by watching Peter Cushing's Victor Frankenstein in the Hammer Horrors. Whew, that was a mouthful. Smith is the most entertaining part of Morbius, and his vampire side looks better than his counterpart. Not that it's decent special effects, far from it. At best, Smith can look like a modernised interpretation of the vampires in Buffy. Other times, the bad guy at the end of the mask. Sometimes this occurs over the course of one scene. Whereas Jared Leto in full vampire mode has the misfortune of adopting this tiny rodent nose that makes him look like Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse if he started smoking meth. Am I saying that the CGI in this movie is bad? Yes, that is exactly what I am saying. That's the greatest downside of the movie. Morbius himself. He's such a generic non-character. Jared Leto plays him way too straight that he sucks all enjoyment out of every scene. When he's forced to crack a joke to promote Sony's other mediocre superhero, it naturally feels forced. The chemistry between Morbius and his contractually obligated love interest is non-existent. If the movie wasn't already chock full of sausage, you could have written out the character and have Jared Leto exchange fuck me eyes with his own reflection. And seriously, what's the deal with her becoming another vampire at the end? Presumably, both Morbius and Milo transform into living vampires due to their rare blood condition, altered by the experimental treatment. But apparently, anybody can turn if they exchange blood, and by Sam's account, it repeats the final shot from one of the Twilight movies. Right. Because you want your vampire movie to remind your audience of that franchise? Unfortunately, that's one of the many examples of this movie's logic at work. The questionable inconsistencies of Morbius's power set results in some unintentional hilarious moments. Of course, you have the obligatory topless shot to show how jacked Jared Leto is at 50. Well done, sir. However, it just made AK laugh out loud in the cinema. She laughed at your ridiculously chiselled abs, Mr. Leto. We're shown Morbius has heightened strength and athleticism, but, but, when Morbius is in the presence of a strong breeze, he apparently also has the hollow bones of a flying rodent that allows him to do a great impression of a flying squirrel, zipping through the city. Whee! In one of his many exposition dumps, I mean narrations, Morbius tells us, the audience, because no one else shares the scene with him, that bats consider him a brother. Yeah. In hindsight, I believe this was meant to set up the climatic final battle with Milo, 
seeing as Morbius summons his family to literally pin down his adversary so he can deliver the death blow. Which, considering how many bats come to his aid, is... rabies? So, Morbius fails at action too. That depends. If you consider incoherent frantic CGI that gives someone with ADHD pulls, followed by questionable CGI, highlighted by tiresome slow motion, good. If you consider that kind of thing good, then you're clearly a fan of Michael Bay. If that's not your cup of tea, then you must prefer action that's better choreographed and easier to follow. Like those MCU movies Sony is trying and failing to cash in on? I would bring up those end of credit scenes, but seeing as they were leaked by the director before Morbius was released in cinemas, I assume you all know what they entail. Actually, let's talk about it for a second. Many criticise Marvel Studios for the slow decline of cinema due to the popularity of their formulaic action movies forcing out these smaller character-driven films. I understand their argument, but I will argue that the MCU isn't the problem. It's all these other studios trying to emulate them. They look at the MCU and only see the money they're making. They don't understand why they're so successful, and that is down to their commitment to character development. Take Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, for example. Recently, me and Sam have been watching the MCU movies again in chronological order, and it's apparent how much these characters grow and change, not just over the course of their own trilogy, but in the Avengers movies too, which culminates in the most satisfying conclusion to any character's story I have ever seen in cinema in Avengers Endgame. If you disagree with me, consider this. I referred to these characters by their real names and not their alter egos, and you still knew who I was talking about. This accomplishment can only be achieved with time and patience. Other studios have neither. All they care about is the money. So after Man of Steel, Warner releases Superman vs Batman, which not only introduces the caped crusader to this universe, but also Wonder Woman and the rest of the Justice League. This was only Warner's second entry in this shared universe, and it's already suffering due to their inability to show restraint. The movie is naturally an overinflated mess. Amazing Spider-Man 2 suffers from too many plot lines, from too many characters and concepts, because Sony would rather lay the groundwork for their own shared universe, rather than a great character-driven story revolving around Spider-Man. And these end credit scenes at the end of Morbius are testament that Sony still hasn't learnt its lesson all these years later. Did I like Morbius? No I did not. It's generic. It's forgettable. It's neither a good vampire movie nor a good superhero movie. It literally fails at everything it attempts to accomplish. I'm not going to remember this film come the end of the year. Why is Sony constantly forcing upon these terrible Marvel knockoff movies on us? Just give the rights back to Kevin Feige. He is always going to do a better job than whatever shite you are bringing out, Sony. Save us the misery of these terrible poxy movies. And don't bring Andrew Garfield into the mix. He deserves better. Okay, let's look at Rotten Tomatoes. 
Okay, Morbius gets 16% off the tomato meter. Shocking. What the fuck? Audience score is 70%. This feels like... This feels like sarcasm. This is sarcasm. I'm going to choose to believe, I don't know, the audience had a lobotomy before they went to see this film, or they're intentionally messing with the score on Rotten Tomatoes. But, okay, 70%. Uh, right, sure. I definitely do not side with the audience this time. So that was Morbius. What did everyone think? Did you like it? Or did you hate it? Is it a Marmite film? Or is it just complete and utter shite on bread? Let me know. And that, dear audience, is another episode of Scaring Sam. Yes, you can find us at Scaring Sam Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can email us at scaringsampod at gmail.com. Stay safe out there tonight.